Okay, good morning. Um, this year is dedicated to one of our, one of our founders, Rabbi Avram. Should be brought to Kudos Yisrael this uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Where was he? Okay, let's talk today. Yeah, we should. If you pull up one of the videos, you could probably find them calling him up. Okay, um, so let's talk today a little about Hey Tavis. And we'll see if we can connect it to the parsha. We'll work on it together. Um, so today is a special day on the Chabad calendar. It's Hey Tevis. What happened on Hey Tevis? So as you heard them singing after davening, they were singing Dida Natsach. They didn't say Tachan because there was a bris. I had a mile here. What? I had a mile here. Um, so what is, what is unique about Hey Tevis? So the story goes as follows. It was 1985 or 86 when it started. And the, one, one of the biggest Jewish libraries that exist in the world exists by 770 Eastern Parkway, right next door. It's, uh, um, it's one of the, the biggest Jewish libraries that exist, where there's a huge and enormous amount of books and collections, very old, old printings of Gemaras and old uh, manuscripts, and, and of course, um, old books from Chabad, from the earlier Chabad Rebbe's. And this, um, this library wasn't just a simple library that was collected by a collector in America, but was brought um, into America from Russia. Part of it. Part of it. Um, a part of it was seized and, and uh, by the Russians. Part of it's still there. It's a whole long story and it's still continuing. Um, but a large amount of it was brought to America and resides in near 770 Eastern Parkway. Now this library was cherished and by the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe's father-in-law, who came to America in 1941. And in 1940, and when he came to when he came to America with this, um, he brought these books with him. He held on to them for his with his first with his uh, for his dear life. Um, they were in containers, suitcases that he brought with him, and he um, he held he held them very close to heart. Um, now came a time where there was someone, a relative that decided that he wanted, that he was a heir, he was a, um, a grandson of the Fidik Rabbah, and he decided that he had rights to it. And being that he decided he had rights to it, he felt he could make money off it. You can imagine how much money such a library is worth, um, such an old collection. And he began going in and taking out books and uh, um, selling them on the market of collectors. And um, he made a nice amount of money, tens of thousands of dollars. I don't know exactly how much. And when they discovered it, they immediately stopped it. They put up cameras and they got security and they stopped it. It wasn't really well protected beforehand. Um, and they asked, uh, they tried working out that he should regularly return it, going to the basement, etc. And it didn't work. 
um, he, he held on to his position that he's a rightful owner. How's he related? Uh, he was a grandson of the Friedrich the, he was a da- the daughter's son. Specific names and details for, for after. <laughs> And he had rights or he felt he had rights? He, he felt he, that's, this is the whole story, he went to court. His, his, his uh, uh, position was that he's an inheritor through his mother, meaning his mother being a daughter of the Fidik Rabbe is an is a heir, and therefore she has a portion, and he has his mother's portion. And his mother is sided with him, kind of. Um, yeah, that's... He had a real, yeah, he had a real position. They went to court, of course. It was a whole court case. It wasn't stunned, yeah. So obviously, the, I mean, the Rebbe's position was that the, the, yes, the Fidik Rebbe is a grandfather of this boy, and he was a, a, a father and grandfather of a family, but in addition to him being a grandfather and a father of a family, he was not only in addition, primarily he was a Rebbe. And the Rebbe is someone that's a leader of the community. And being a leader of the community, the Rebbe's position, position was that he's a public person, and therefore what belongs to him doesn't really belong to him as private possessions. To the extent that the Rebbe said nothing he ever took as belonging to himself as a private asset. Everything that was his belonged to the, to the movement, to Chassidim, to, to, um, to Chabad. It wasn't his personal possessions. And that was, this is the gist of the court, of the court case. This is, this is the basics of, of the back and forth. The position of one side was that he's a private person, he's an individual just like any regular person, and therefore he is... Recording? I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. Okay. So he was, um, uh, and that was, that was one side, and the Rebbe's side was um, that, it was, that he's a public person, and therefore everything that belongs to him belongs to the movement. And the Rebbe took it very seriously. It literally pained the rabbi for a good two years, and they were able to see the difference. And they tried going through, doing enormous things to pick up the rabbi's spirit and to change it. They had a whole uh, um, campaign that people should write in to the rabbi different things, new new things they're doing, different achlatas, different extra things to literally pick up the rabbi's spirit. And um, the big deal of this of the of the court case is that it had to go to secular court, to American court. And you can imagine trying to convince a judge, this is what it was about, it was a, a judge in court trying to convince that or what a Rebbe is. Is the Rebbe a private person or is the Rebbe a, a, a one body with this movement, I'm with the Chassidim. And it, it's not, it was a Goyesha person, not a Jew, and a real judge, Judge Sifton, this is Charles Sifton, I think, and, um, and it was a big deal. Now, just to go through one detail of the story, which played a huge role, is that at a certain point, they wanted to, um, to hear testimony from the daughter of the Fidik Rebbe, the Rebbe's wife. Because in addition to the daughter, who was the f- mother of this boy that cl- had the claim and wanted to claim rights to it, the other daughter was the Rebbe's wife, who also had rights to it. So they, they wanted to, um, to, to get her testimony. They were able to arrange that she didn't have to go to court because she was old. This was a few years before she passed away. She passed away three years later. Yeah, that was a story of its own. And um, they, they came to her house and they arranged um, a deposition 
where there were lawyers from both sides. There was a translator, because she insisted on speaking in Yiddish. And so there was a translator that translated from Yiddish. And they, um, they, uh, how they get, she gave testimony. And it was a long, hour-long, um, maybe more, were in their house where they went and asked her question after question. You know how it works. It's very disrespectful, especially to be done to someone like her. But that's how lawyers do it. But they try to corner the person and try to get them to say the wrong thing and try to quote them and get a quote from them that can support them. And obviously she passed with flying colors. Like she didn't, uh, she didn't give them anything of support. And on the contrary, she, she um, said things. And the Rebbe said there was one thing he told. The Rebbe was always meeting with the lawyers in his office. And the rabbi told the lawyers that there was one, which she, there was something that she said which was going to win the case for them. And in addition, there was a letter that they used, which which was very uh, a primary evidence. I'm going to say in a second. And and in addition to the letter, there was a statement that she made, where uh, during this deposition, where they try to wear the person out, right? Eventually, they throw the direct question at her, and they asked her, um, "Who do the books belong to?" Straight up, that's her. Who do the books belong to? Do they belong? And should, do they belong to your father? Do they belong to the chassidim? Do they belong to the family? Do they belong to the movement? So they asked a direct question, and her response was, and probably not quoting it verbatim, but her response was, "You have a recording over there." Mm-hmm. Her response was, if I remember correctly, we'll see if I remember correctly in a second. Her response was that the rebbe, my father was a rebbe, and he belonged to the chassidim. And therefore, whatever he owned belonged to the chassidim. That was the response. That's just... To your knowledge, to your mind, the books that were in your father's, the library that was kept and that your father used in his study and in the basement of Sarasen, did they belong to your father or did they belong to the chassidim? Objection All right. This is the key question. Very simple. They belong to the chassidim because my father belonged to the chassidim. As simple as that. <laughs> like, like what? And they, 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 she blew, she blew them away. They were not. They, they, they thought they were going to get her. She said they belong. They, they belong to the chassidim because my father belonged to the chassidim. And but the Rebbe took it very passionately. The Rebbe said, he, "You see, there's video of it. First, the Rebbe only spoke about it on Shabbos because it wasn't recorded and broadcasted. But then the Rebbe eventually specifically spoke about it during the week, and where it was recorded and broadcasted. And the Rebbe, you see him shaking in his chair. It's very rare to see the Rebbe speak with such passion. Only other time the Rebbe spoke with such passion was probably when, with regards to giving away piece of land in Israel, like on Miu Yehudi and the, and the whole conversion topic." But there were several topics that was very, this is one of them the Rebbe spoke very passionately about. And the Rebbe sat there by the Fabrengan in front of everyone saying how this is not something which is a personal um, battle. This is not something that I personally care about because I'm part of the family. This is a battle against the entire Chabad movement. This is a, a battle against, the Rebbe said against the bankel, was the expression, it's against the chair that I'm sitting in, meaning the position that I feel. Because what, what was the debate about? It was about what is a Rebbe. Not only what is a Rebbe, but the Rebbe took it even further. The Rebbe considered this debate about is Chabad still alive? And this is where it became a whole thing. The Rebbe said that this debate is about is Chabad still alive? They want to say that Chabad's over. That's what they were saying. Chabad's not active anymore. They were trying to say that the feed, that the feed the Rebbe was the end. The purpose of them cornering her and having the whole... They were trying to get testimony out of her. To support them, to prove that it belongs to the family and it doesn't belong to the movement. They missed the beginning part. 
Oh. We, we, we recap very very uh, short. It was yeah nephew. yeah it was. The nephew wanted so the, this guy like ostracized the, the community. He started selling this one. Wow. wow. That his mother also wow. wanted it. So, yeah. Really? It's, uh, wow. Yeah. So the um the point and the rabbi even said the expression. The rabbi said anyone that has these books in their possession, the rabbi, you hear it on the recording. The rabbi said they have a bomb that's waiting to explode. The rabbi used that expression literally in Yiddish. Bombes that are waiting to, to, to explode. Wow. Some Hasidim went to these auctions, they paid enormous amounts yes, of money. Yes, then bought a bag. Zam Gerari. Yeah, so you ask anybody to bring it back? Well, some people, they had to buy some of it back. Um, Does anyone so, still have the bomb? I think it was all, most of it, I think all of it was returned. Not all of them? There's still some swarm out there. Uh-oh. But, um, the, so the, the, Rebbe, the Rebbe took it very seriously. The Rebbe said that it's against the movement. It's questioning whether we're active and alive. And the Rebbe went to this whole thing that um, Chabad is alive now more than ever. And every year, some famous expressions the Rebbe said that. That, that every year that we pass since the Fidu Rebbe's passing, this was, the Fidu Rebbe passed away in 1950. And this happened in 1987. 85. Yeah. yeah. So, but the court started in 85. So the Rebbe said that every year since the Fidik Rebbe left this world, the Chabad is only stronger and more active, there's a more active and stronger as every year passes. And um, the Rebbe said, just like Yaakov, that next week's Parsha, where Yaakov passes away, it doesn't really say that Yaakov passed away. Right? It says, Vayigva, Vayyosef. It doesn't say that he actually died. And the, the Gemara says, um, in Tainus, I think, that, I think it's in Tainus, or in Sanhedrin, the, 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 the Gemara says, the Yaakov lo imes. Yaakov never died. Ma zare b'chaim, afu b'chaim. That being that his descendants are alive, he is still alive. Hmm. Which is simply understood as that if a, a, a person, is, his legacy is being carried on and being, being furthered and expanded and, and is growing through his children, then he is more alive than ever. He may not physically be in the body, but everything that he stood for in his entire life is growing leaps and bounds. And the Rebbe said, Chabad is not only still here, but it's more active every year and the Fidu Rebbe and his energy and his message gets stronger as every year passes. So um, it was a, it's a, and the fact that, that we won the court case, um, the Rebbe said, it's, the expression is used, that, um, that it's, it's, it shows that it can be understood, the idea of a Rebbe, of a Rebbe, that the Rebbe is a, a spiritual person, that the Rebbe is our, our, our soul connection to God, and that the Rebbe is um, a godly person who's, who's our godly connection, the brain, who's our godly connection to, um, to everything, that the Rebbe being such is not a private person. He's not just a typical human. Yes, the, the Hashem wants that we should have a Moshe Rabbeinu that comes in the physical body, born from a physical mother and father, but the person serves as a, as, as a conduit, as a pure just representation of godliness, a physical representation of it. Um, and therefore, that is what a Rebbe is, and that is what a Rebbe represents. And the, the power of the messages showing us the fact that it could even be understood by a non-Jewish judge in a non-Jewish court. That was the big Chiddush. It wasn't that we were trying to convince another Jew or we were trying to convince another group of Jews. The fact that in a, in the, it can be paskant, it could be established in, it wasn't the Supreme Court, it was a high court in New York. 
that uh, um, the fact that it could be established and understood and, and the, the verdict, because it was, a, it was even appealed again. I mean, we won the appeal. The fact that it could be understood even by a, a, a judge, an American thinking judge, is, shows how, how strong the message has to be driven home, that if it could be understood by an American judge, you can imagine how it's about time that we accept it and we understand it and we take it to heart. So, L'chaim, yes, we're strong, alive, even stronger, and this, of course, the message rings in our ears today after Gemotamas that no matter what situation the state Labavitch finds us finds itself in, and the messages and the <coughs> movement is stronger than ever, and this is the message Rebbe told us back then, and it's alive even stronger and more today, um, and we see just by the expansion and growth that has been over the past years, Lachaim, we should we should. Yes. L'chaim. How did you guys find out what happened? Did you pass away? What was he? What happened?